I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and about what's next. It's a show that wants to ask questions, peel back the layers of our average everyday experience, and go beyond scratching the surface. We interview amazing people with incredible ideas and stories who have done wild, weird, and wonderful things. Remember that imagination shared create collaboration, and collaboration creates community, and community inspires social change. I'm David Peck, and this is Face to Face. So my next interview is with Shasha Nakai, and we talk about her new film, Take Light. And it's kind of fascinating for me because, as some of you may know, I'm an electrician. I still pay my, uh, quite proud of the fact that I still pay my non-working dues to the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers here in Toronto, Local 353. And, and can you tell, can you hear that pride? Uh, as an electrician, I was very interested in her, her new film, Take Light. And we talk about, uh, we talk about electricity, we talk about power, and, and this is a film about, really about Nigeria. But it, it, more importantly, it's a film about electricity and power and the environment and so on and poverty. But it's really a film, it seems to me, about, about opportunity. And you are going to fall in love with this film. And, and Shasha and I have this really, I, I think, uh, in, in fascinating and interesting conversation about a little bit about, once again, everything. We talk about the energy crisis and we talk about uh, this, this, this proverb, this Nigerian proverb of, of suffering and, and how smiling uh, go together. And we talk about um, the extractive sector and about post, the post-colonial uh, edge to some of the things that are going on in in uh, Nigeria currently. We talk about this legacy of, wait for it, quote, legacy of militarized and extractive governance and uh, the, the complexity of it all. We talk about something called um, something uh, an illegal electrician, something you're going to want to hear a little bit more about. So stay tuned. This is about access to power, and that's not uh, just a statement of fact. It's a metaphor as well. So stay tuned. Coming right up, uh, Shasha Nakai and her new film, Take Light. Don't forget davidpecklive.com for more information about my writing and about my speaking, and face-to-facelive.ca, where you can find uh, close to 400 interviews with filmmakers and writers and philosophers and so on. Uh, Shasha Nakai coming right up uh, April 27th, May the 1st, May the 3rd, at Hot Docs, Take Light. Stay tuned. Well, welcome to Face to Face. We're joined by a very special guest today. We have Shasha Nakai here with us today to talk about her new film, Take Light, and she's joining us all the way from uh, Atlanta. Shasha, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for having me. 
So we're, we're, we're going to talk about your new film, Take Light. I mean, there's, there's so much just to talk about based on the title alone, it seems to me. We, uh, you know, the, the film is about, I guess you could say energy. It's about Nigeria. It's about uh, electricity. But it's about so much more than that. Could you, could you provide a little bit of context for our listeners before we dive in? Oh, and by the way, congratulations on the film and uh, absolutely stunning images and fascinating film about so many different things. So yeah, th- thanks and, and uh, congrats on uh, Hot Docs. And let's, let's give a shout out right now, April 27th, May 1st, May 3rd, Take Light's going to be uh, airing at, uh, at Hot Docs here in Toronto. So yeah, can you provide a little context for us around the film? Sure. Um, so my film uh, is called Take Light, and it's about generally Nigeria's energy crisis, um, but told through a series of everyday characters who are all connected to the grid. Connected to the grid um, yeah. in a in a very specific sense, too, but also metaphorical, wouldn't you say? Yes. Um, a lot of the characters in the film don't know each other right. and have no connection to each other other than they live in the same place and they're all connected by the electrical grid. So so at what point did 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 you step back and say this is the film I want to make or was it did the story kind of unfold for you as it often does in documentaries uh, or did you know that I, I I need to tell this story about Nigeria about the about poverty, about corruption, about all the, and the environment, and, and I'm going to use electricity to do that? Or did it kind of fall into place in a different way? Um, it kind of went the other way in that, um, you know, I grew up in Nigeria and I spent the first 15 years of my life there. Um, and so growing up, a lack of power was definitely a defining factor of life, even for someone as privileged as me. It was it was kind of an issue that affected everyone, whether you were rich or poor. Um, and when I moved to Canada, I started getting perspective on really how insane the situation was mm. um, by being able to move between the two worlds mm. and to compare and contrast. And it was really that that made me realize that people in Canada a lot of people in Canada don't have any idea about what life is actually like in Nigeria. And I thought of the character of the Nepa guy, because mm-hmm. growing up, he was the sort of mythical character and the butt of every joke and um, kind of like the most hated man in the country. Yeah, in fact, that comes, that comes so, out in the film, doesn't it? Yes, it does. And so I thought, I've always been intrigued in that figure um and so i knew i wanted to make a film about that figure um but of course it would be responsible just to make a film about that figure without at least hinting at or providing some background kind of context to all the factors that play into the situation what's so what's so fascinating to me is the and I don't, I don't know how to say this, and I want to come back to that idea that, that Canadians don't have any idea of what life is like in Nigeria. I want to, I want to tease that out with mm-hmm. you a little bit. But, mm-hmm. but what's really interesting to me is how it's kind of like, I don't want to, 
everybody's right. There's there's pride on both sides. If if we and and when I say both, that polarizes it. It's not that simple. I mean, we're talking about a pretty complicated issue. We're talking about privatization. Mm-hmm. We're talking about oil and energy and power and politics. I mean, there's so many factors that come into play. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really quite remarkable how you take something as uh, remarkable and and simple, I suppose, as electricity and use it for this, <laughs> you know, this wonderful metaphor for, 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 for pretty much everything. Yeah. It's, it's, um, you know, the film is kind of about electricity, you know, in the very standard definition of a sense, but it's also about, you know, power mm-hmm. and um, people struggle to get power and agency in their lives. And so, yeah, it's a very multi-layered film. And I knew that the issues that contributed to the situation were just way too complex and would need so much of a backgrounder and would need so much, you know, industry jargon, right? Um, you know, power purchasing agreements and right, right. megawatts and all, you know, the things that the average person wouldn't really know. So that's why I chose to kind of focus on just everyday people's stories and all this mumble jumble, you know, taking place in the background on the radio. Is there, Would you say there's, I mean, I, I was really struck by the pride of 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 most of your characters in your film and and I don't mean that in a critical way I just mean the fact that so many people were very pr- proud to have these these jobs and these roles and and you know this was this is a, a big part of our lives and and yet they were in a way also a part of the problem they were you know is it Martins is that is that his name the, yeah. yeah the guy that you follow lovely man and yet as you say one of the most hated men in in Nigeria and so there's there's sort of this pride on one side saying no you can't take my power and yet he's there you know very proud about the role that he has to play as he provides for his family and it's such a beautiful way too that you end the film with him talking about his daughter becoming an electrical engineer is wonderful mm-hmm. um is that is that a strong um part of 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 Nigerian uh heritage would you say this sense of 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 Nigerian pride Yes, and that's why, you know, there's that um, saying that's kind of overused, but it's, you know, the suffering and smiling idea of suffering and smiling. It's a very Nigerian concept because, you know, things are not so great for the average person, but still Nigeria consistently ranks, like, number one or number two on the happiest countries in the world. And so why is that? Right. and I kind of go into it a little bit in the film um, as on how people maintain their optimism using their belief systems and religion to mm-hmm. get through the day. Um, and so that, that happiness, being able to smile through very, very difficult situations is um, something I personally was inspired by even just, you know, right. being with them, uh, being with Martin. Um, on a day-to-day basis, and then the woman who works with him at a couple points, yeah. you know, she talks about. I mean, you got to you got to keep hope alive. I mean, really, isn't isn't that what this? I mean, take light, right? It's it's in, it's about turning on the lights. It's about all those beautiful metaphors and symbols. But isn't it about trying to 
Oh, there's a great line too. You've got so many great lines in the film, by the way, Shasha. But um, I love the line: "We can't, we can't stay in darkness, right?" Yeah. I mean, isn't that kind of what this is all about? It's about what's next and alternative energy and 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 opportunity, exactly. right? Yeah, that's very much what it's about. And um, you know, as as Martin says. Uh, he's he's lucky to just even have a job. Right, right. And that's a very big, uh, big part of the film as well. These are people with agency. Um, These are people who are actively doing things. They're not lazy. They don't need foreigners to come and help give Mm. them power. Um, These are people who are very capable of changing their own future should that big barrier of power and electricity be taken away. You you get a little bit into well a fair bit I suppose into privatization and so on and just I guess some of the economics behind it and some of the some of the images that we see that mm-hmm. that, that corporate edge and so on. What what's your sense? I mean, um, I'm, I would imagine the film was uh, finished very very recently. Um, mm-hmm. There you sort of juxtapose some of those images against you know interviews of people saying no no this is going to work hundred one percent this is going to work, uh, and yet it doesn't really seem to be playing out that way. It's not, it's not, and I know it's not that simple. Yeah, of course, it definitely is very, it's a very uphill battle for the people who privatized and, and you know, took over the industry, the, the generation and distribution um, companies. So, um, yeah, like Nigerian politicians forever, I mean, since things started getting bad um, with the power industry, you have always promised every election year that they were going to promise 24-hour supply by 2016, 24-hour supply by exit, and mm. all these deadlines and arbitrary promises have consistently been missed. Um, and so when the idea that they were going to privatize the public um, generation, transmission, and distribution companies, um, people generally we're slightly hopeful. I mean, you'll take hope wherever you can get it, right? Sure, sure. Um, and it's like things have been so terrible for so long, run by the government, so maybe these people can make a difference. Um, and to the average person, things are the same, really. But there have been improvements, and you know there have been huge investments in infrastructure upgrades, um, you know, building power stations, turbines, um, transmission lines, and you know, in the, it's the little things like you know, back in the day, you wouldn't like if something if your power if your transformer was damaged, you just have to call your local guy and pay him to come fix it. Right. Um, but now there's actually a customer service line where someone will actually pick up the phone and answer you. Um, so you know, not huge strides, but but there have been positive. Sure. Sure. So, is this a countrywide thing? This twenty-four hour supply. So, so no one really has twenty-four hour supply to electricity. I love how in, in you're you're interviewing someone <laughs> and the power goes out. And yeah, and, and that's and, in Abuja, which is like the, one of the nicest places yeah, in the, the country. <laughs> yeah, and he's and doesn't he say, "Oh, you're gonna have to keep this in the film." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's so great. And I mean, it it really varies depending yeah, on where you live. I'm sure. Um, yeah. And depending on the week, depending on what's going on, or the state of affairs of the country, uh, depending on, you know, a lot of companies and factories end up 
self-generating. Right. Where they actually spend extremely large sums of money to, you know, just either run on diesel generator the entire time or, um, but yeah, a lot of industries actually end up self-generating or, you know, very wealthy people end up having, um, inverters and generators right. and all those things. Yeah. I couldn't, I mean, the, you know, you bring it out so well in the film without actually stating it, but you know, just the interconnectedness of all these issues and how, how, you know, yes, complicated, uh, nuanced and so on, very much so, lots of conversation and dialogue, no easy solutions and so on, but it's all so connected. So this idea of, well, we don't have electricity and you, you know, you interview this family and this woman now uh, can't set up her business properly and she can't sell. Mm -hmm. And so it's just this sort of, I mean, would you call it the cycle of poverty at the, in that sense? Or would, I mean, it's just, it's the one sort of feeds into the other, and it's almost yeah. as if you, 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 you're kind of damned if you do and damned if you don't, in a sense. Yeah, and it, it's less of a circle, more of like a swirling, like tangled mm. web of wires, really. Sure. Yeah. It's not as simple as a circle. Sure. But yes, all of the factors influence each other. So people don't have jobs because the oil-dependent economy was in recession. So, you know, you have a huge amount of unemployed youth who have nothing to do who then take up illegal electrician jobs or, you know, become militants and, and blow up pipelines, which then means that they don't have power. And then they get angry that they don't have power because they don't realize that the pi gas pipelines have anything to do with right. the electricity. So it's, you know, a lot of these factors actually influence one another. Yeah. There's... But I think a lot of it really does come down to the country's history of, um, extractive industries mm. and with with colonial powers and how they left the country um, set up to fail essentially. Mm. Can Can you talk a little bit more about that? I mean, uh, the being set being set up to fail. I think you 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 talk about the post colonial era right out of the gate in the early part of the film mm -hmm. and, and how everyone is kind of, or at least the implication is how everyone is, is connected by the grid and really lovely the way you juxtapose it against these beautiful shots and kids and people playing and watching football and, and so on. Uh, that's, mm -hmm. that's, that's, that's our, uh, that's our setup for, for what's, mm -hmm. for what's to follow. Yeah. Tell me, talk, talk a little bit more about that, that post-colonial sort of, um, yeah. latent sense of, uh, probably injustice, I would think. Yeah, and people are so, like like Amara says in the film on, when he's on the radio, he says, it's, this is a legacy of militarized mm. and extractive governance. Yes. Um, people aren't seeing themselves as stakeholders in the energy industry because everything else has been stolen from them. So, you know, we have a history of um, colonial powers and, you know, international uh, oil and gas companies um, not necessarily putting back what they take out and communities feeling marginalized and, um, you know, disenfranchised. And then on top of that, you also have, you know, the idea of Nigeria, which, you know, it's Nigeria was a thing invented by, you know, British colonial powers. It consists of over 250 different ethnic groups and each of them, you know, so we have a, a tribalist um, society and tribalist meaning, you know, people, when they make it big, they're then indebted to their 
tribe to help them. And that's a big part of where the corruption comes from, mm. uh, the government corruption, because you're not seeing it as like we, the Nigerian people, it's like we, me, and my tribe and my, my ethnic group kind of thing. So um, that that's a, that's a contributing factor to why the corruption has persisted um, for so long and why a lot of the money that was supposed to be spent on improving infrastructure disappeared. And just to be clear, is that so you mean like uh, sort of that protectionist kind of uh, approach? We'll, we'll take care of ourselves and those that are closest to us, but, but don't, don't let anyone else in? Yes, there's, there's a lack of that collective, like mm. we Nigerians, we own these, this petroleum resources resource and all of our country needs to benefit from it kind of thing. Right. Uh, but yeah, there's just such a long, long history of, of um, things that contribute to it. Is, is it really, I mean, it's again, I, you know, when I ask these questions, it sort of presupposes there's only one answer and we both know that's not true, but mm. is a, is a lot of this to do with money? Is it, is it, I mean, I know a lot of people go, Oh, it's all about oil and it's all about money. Um, it, is it that simple? No, <laughs> no, it's not that simple, of course. Um, yeah, that's, that's the simple answer. <laughs> that's the simple, <laughs> that's the simple answer. Well, no, you know, it's, it's interesting, right? Because it's, it's so, so many people at sort of the, the, the bottom up approach is, oh yeah, it's the rich folk at the top that are causing us all mm. the grief and let's, we can, and it's easy, right? They become the scapegoat. It's the politicians. It's, it's the, yeah, that... it's the 1% or the 3%. And, and, and honestly, I've, I've traveled a fair bit and I think that's a fair comment and a fair criticism and a fair assessment. Yeah. I don't, I don't think either of us need to be, you know, political scientists, right? And, and that's, I think what you bring out so beautifully in the film that, that we need to keep talking about this. We need, and it's not just about talking because we need, we need to act as well. We need to be hopeful, but we need to act. Yes. And it, you know, the thing about the issue that I chose is that it, it actually, it affects, like I said, it affects rich and poor. Mm. Like everyone would stand to benefit from a consistent power supply, right. except maybe the people who own the generator companies, but that's another, right. Um, right. another talk. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's something that universally across the board, I think a lot of people can get on board with. And then, of course, climate change and, yep. you know, deciding on moving to energy systems that are not fossil fuel based. Um, it affects everyone across the board. So, you know, as much as there are these things of like foreign and foreign um, oil companies versus um, indigenous people and then rich versus poor like these are issues that should kind of be across the board people should agree on yeah yeah you would think it would be like a a level or of a leveler of sorts yeah what's um tell me about godwin what exactly is an illegal electrician (laughs) that's Um, fascinating but fascinating (laughs) by the way beautiful shots just gorgeous the way you 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 position that and set it up it really is quite remarkable Thank you. Um, Godwin is someone who, someone I know, utilizes the services of, and he's just kind of like an all-around electrician. So he fixes stuff around people's houses, but also when a transformer 
um, is malfunctioning, he can come in very quickly and take a look at it. Um, and he also rewires people back to the grid if they've been disconnected. So it's not so much that he's illegal as what he might be doing is illegal or or a bit of both. Yeah, not everything he does is illegal right. in general, Yeah, but he does do illegal things. He's also a complete crazy nut. I mean, <laughs> the stuff, I mean, I do, you know, doing, I mean, I'm an electrician. I, I don't do it anymore. And uh, really, I mean, I still from time to time, but I still, for my listeners who don't know, I still pay my non-working dues to the IBEW here in Toronto. 18 years <laughs> I spent in construction. And I know that it's not a good idea to be doing wiring in the dark. What, you don't wear, <laughs> you don't wear flip-flops when you go up a That's ladder? right. <laughs> I know. It's just crazy. And then hearing him talk about this, like, this is just, oh, you know, this is just how I make my living and I'm providing for others. And it's just. And what's sad about him is that he actually went to school. He yes. And so what's sad is he's just really trying to make work for himself because he can't find any. Mm. So, again, that that scenario where you have potential, yeah. people could be doing good things sure. with their intelligence, but because they have nothing else to do, they you know, go into illegal activities. Well, it's such a great line, and I don't know if it's Godwin's or not, but I'm going to paraphrase it, but it's something like it's only hunger that leads somebody to do something that's no good. Yeah. I don't know if that was Godwin who said that or not. That wasn't. Yeah, yeah, but now we get back to that whole idea, right, that... that 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 uh, the interconnected nature of it all, right? And you bring out some of that militant side and and the corruption and and what what do things like this fuel? You know, um, and and how interconnected it all it all really uh, really is. What I love about what you've done, Shasha, is electricity for me now becomes this metaphor of of um, um, for so many things, but opportunity in particular. Mm-hmm. Especially, especially in relation to somebody like Godwin, mm-hmm. you know, got the education and can't really, uh, you know, certainly has some choices to make, but it doesn't, doesn't quite have the opportunities that maybe, maybe, maybe he should have in, in such yeah. a prosperous country like Nigeria. Yeah. And, and you see, you see huge potential. Yeah. Um, yeah. for example, Mark Zuckerberg just bought a Nigerian startup Andela. um, Nigeria is like on the rise now with its tech people in Lagos. And it's like, you know, there's, it's Africa's most populous, populous nation and so much potential. Um, so many smart people that if they just had access to power could do so many more things with their lives. You know, you have, you have students that like, sleep in their university classrooms so that they can study for their exams mm-hmm. because they don't have power at home. Um, and, you know, people who run small businesses that could be doing so much more mm-hmm. to improve their mm-hmm. lives, but because their hands are tied, they can't really move forward much at all. Are you, I mean, <clears throat> it sounds to me like you, you are hopeful. I mean, it's really interesting you know, Martin's, I think near the beginning of the film, talks about his daughter who's quite young, what, maybe mm-hmm. a year? Would she be a year old? Anyway, she's, she's like three now. Oh, she's three now. So she, she's quite young still. But he talks about education being the key to her greatness. And then mm-hmm. and then you kind of you kind of bookend the film with him talking about her becoming an electrical engineer. Um, mm-hmm. 
Are you as hopeful as he is for Nigeria? Um, honestly, the last time I talked to Martins on the phone, he was almost begging me to help him find a job in Canada. So, wow. Uh, as hopeful as he is, he's still right. He's hopeful, but he's still aware of how bad things are how, there. How, just how difficult um, it really is. Yeah, and you know, I'm hopeful, but it's as they say, it's always easier to be hopeful about Nigeria when you don't live in it. Right. Uh, when you're not dealing with these issues on a day-to-day and day-to-day basis and being frustrated on a day-to-day basis, um, it is much easier to be hopeful. Um, but I'm cautiously hopeful. And, you know, there's changes happening that, you know, around the world, but also within Nigeria that you can, you can choose to be hopeful about. Um, like for example, a lot of people can now afford these, um, cheap kind of um, little solar right. panel, right. Um, fan, radio, battery chargers. Um, and so the technology is becoming more accessible to people, and it's made, it makes a difference in people's lives. So you can choose to be hopeful. Can you, can you talk a little bit about uh, just sort of the, and I think these two guys are kind of hopeful still too, but, but I, I don't know if I got it right, but they're wearing, um, they're wearing Jobber oh. Man shirts. Are they the, yeah, two angry men. Yeah, two angry men. They're U- yeah. YouTubers, right? Yes, they are. They're hysterical. Anyway, the the line, uh, you know, one of them says something about how if you're if you're applying for a job at Napa, you actually have to <laughs> tick the box that says you are corrupt. It's yeah. so funny and yet so deeply cynical. I mean, is it really? Yeah. Is it really that bad? Yeah, it is, and. Mm. That's, I included them because they are like a keystone of Nigerian culture where like things are so hopeless and so terrible sometimes that the only way that you can survive is if you turn it into humor. And that kind of dark humor is very much a part of everyday life in Nigeria. You need to laugh at things or else you will lose your mind. Um, so that's kind of what purpose they serve. And and they're 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 huge in Nigeria, are they? They're not huge. Um, they ha- they're on a channel called Bata Box, and and uh, no, they're not huge. They're not like super famous. Um, they do work in Hollywood films, um, but their channel's not super fam- super huge. They right. have a good viewership, sizable viewership, but right. yeah, they're not like famous or anything. So, what's your sense? I mean, how how long uh, how long did it take you to make the film? Was it a is it a couple couple year project? It was. It took three years from the beginning of pitching it to finishing it, um, which is actually kind of fast for a feature doc. Yeah, I would say that was pretty, pretty fast. It's mostly because my producer Ed is a veteran producer at Storyline, and so he was able to help bring the financing together faster than if it was just me. Right. Because um, it's my first feature doc. Right. So um, he was a big part of that. So, so the reason I asked you that is, um, I mean, you're Nigerian, of course, you spent your early part of your life there and so on, and clearly you're staying in touch and all of that. What do you, what do you, hmm, what do you learn about, uh, Nigeria in that three-year process that, that you didn't know before? Um, um, or maybe, maybe you didn't learn anything, but, but I'm, but I'm, I'm interested in that kind of change that you might've gone through during the filming and the editing and so on. I uh, I think two things. First of all, 
a lot of the things I saw in the film and they were all scenarios that I knew about or was familiar with, you know, just having lived there. Right. But I think I didn't realize how systemic some things were mm. and like how really complicated. Like I always knew growing up how bad the power was, but I had no idea why. So that in the process of making the film, I really got a good grasp of all the different factors involved. Right. And, um, like on a personal level, I think I've lived in Canada now for like almost 15 years. So it was nice to spend a long period of time there rather than a quick visit to kind of refresh my, you know, perspective right. kind of thing. You know, I, I was making the film and I was very burnt out and even just waking up to go shoot was like a very exhausting thing for me. And so I was able to really draw energy um, and kind of refresh my outlook just by spending a lot of time with people like Martins and Deborah. Right. You know, and I was like, I, you know, this, why am I complaining about my life? Right. Um, yeah. So I got that from it personally. And, and do you, do you, what about the, you know, as corny and cliche as it might sound, but that, that, that sense of, you know, that sense of hope, keeping hope alive, that triumph of the Nigerian, let's say, I was going to say the human spirit, but how about the triumph of the Nigerian spirit, that will to, to just keep fighting and to keep getting out of bed in the morning? Is it, is it stronger than you thought or, uh, or, or maybe not so much? It's always something that I've, that I, I've always remembered and what always makes me go back tonight, want to go mm. back to Nigeria whenever I leave it. Um, it's something very special, I think. And yeah, it's, it's, it's always been strong and I don't think it'll waver. I mean, things are pretty dire right now, but it's always there. So you are, so tell us where you are. You're in Atlanta. You're about to, uh, you've got a showing tonight. What's, what's, uh, you're, are you basically starting on a, on a bit of a tour as you head towards Toronto for hot dogs? Yeah, we had a, we had a screening last, two screenings last weekend in Cleveland. Fantastic. Um, Surprising there's, there's, surprisingly, there's actually a lot of Nigerian-Americans in Ohio. Oh, okay. And a ton more here in Atlanta. So I'm hoping to see some Nigerian-Americans out. Um, but also just, you know, um, share this place with people. And I have a screening tonight at the Atlanta Film Festival. What's and the, then Hot Docs oh, is next. And Hot Docs is next. Any, any kind of themes coming up in some of the Q&A, some of the interviews that you're doing? Um, well, I, I had a hint of this when we started doing our test screenings, but it's just because this is something that I was looking for. You know, every every year when I would go to film festivals like Hot Docs, I would always look in the catalog. Is there anything about Nigeria this year? Right. Oh, no. Is there anything about Nigeria this year? No. Is there anything about Nigeria? No. There would very rarely be some, you know, film done in a cinematic fashion about right. Nigeria. And so when you see it, you get really excited. And, and so um, that's something that came up in our, in our t- rough cut test screening. But the Nigerians that I showed it to were generally very excited about it. And so like in Cleveland, this Nigerian couple stood up and they were basically doing a monologue <laughs> talking about their experiences and mm. the guy talking about how his wife dragged him to the screening and he didn't want to go, but right. he's so happy that he did. And, their three kids grew up in, in Cleveland and they've never been to Nigeria. And so they really want to show them this film um, 
to for them to gain an appreciation of where they come mm, from. Nice. Yeah. So that you know, the things like that, and I really hope that there's more. Um, I think there will be. Well, I bet there will be too, Shasha. I, I I think it's a it's a beautiful film. It's fascinating. It's it's about. I mean, for me, what's so great about documentaries, they're, 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 they're about this story. There's this narrative on the surface and, and, mm-hmm. and, um, but there's so much more usually going on than meets the eye, you know, progress mm-hmm. and poverty and the environment and politics and economics mm-hmm. and, and uh, opportunity and then in alternative energy. I mean, you, you kind of, you haven't left anything out. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, there was something I wanted to have in the film, but then it didn't end up happening. Um, and that was actually, they had set up a solar academy for former militants. Oh. So those guys who were blowing up the pipelines yeah. and had no jobs were then being trained in green renewable Oh, isn't that, jobs. talk about irony, eh? Yeah, and that would have been so perfect. Yeah. To kind of bring everything together, but it really just didn't work out. Um, and that's literally the thing when I watch it where I'm like, ah, I wish we got that. <laughs> right. <laughs> Wish we had captured. Well, maybe that's your next film, or are you already working on that? <laughs> maybe it's the, the follow up. That's now. right. Yeah. Take <laughs> yeah. Take Light Part Two. Well, listen, what a pleasure talking to you today. Thank you so much for your time. It's uh, been talking with Shasha Nakai today about her her new film, Take Light. She's currently in Atlanta at the Atlanta Film Festival, coming soon uh, to Toronto at Hot Docs on April 27th. It's going to play on May the 1st and May the 3rd. Look for that online. Um, Shash, I hope hope to hope to meet you face to face at Hot Docs. I'll be down there um, uh, for uh, here and there, and hopefully we'll be able to say hello. But thank thanks so much for your time today. Thank you for your time. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 